0: Welcome to Ancient Words, Modern Message. I'm your host, Roger Womble. The past is a mirror, and the more we examine what came before us, the more we can understand where we are heading. In this latest episode of Ancient Words, Modern Message, Roger Wombold introduces a new series of studies from the book of Zechariah, entitled, Promises Made, Promises Kept, focusing on chapters 7 through 11 of this amazing piece of Old Testament literature. Join us as we consider the prophet's challenge to his fellow Jews and to us, as through him, God points to the serious results of spiritual amnesia. I will begin by saying that when Phyllis and I were in Israel in May of 2018 and it was just the two of us, we were not there with a tour, we were there on mission business and we were there in the spring of 2018. Uh, We were staying in Haifa for a while, a place where we oftentimes stay when we are there. And I remember very well coming down to the hotel lobby on Monday, May the 14th, 2018. Uh, And there, there were numerous newspapers available, and I picked up a copy of the Jerusalem Post, and there was a picture on the front page, and it was the entire front page of that day's, that morning's Jerusalem Post. Regardless of where you stand politically, I think you perhaps can appreciate and can understand what was on the front page of the Jerusalem Post that day. I actually took a picture of it. And that is a picture of the front page of the Jerusalem Post. It's a full page, as I said, and it has President Trump on it behind an American flag. And in large letters, it says this, promises made, promises kept. Thank you, Mr. President, promises made, Promises kept. Thank you, Mr. President. And you know that the promise, of course, that was referred to was the promise that was made by Donald Trump if he were elected that he would be moving the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And on that day, and we were there, May 14th, 2018, that was the day that the Embassy was moved from Tel Aviv. Jerusalem. Hence the story, the headline, promises made, promises kept. If nothing else, it is an indication of how important it is to people when a promise is made that that promise be kept. That's why I decided to choose those words as a title for this series of studies that we're doing from Zechariah 7 To Zechariah 11 so the title of this series is promises made promises kept two years ago we did a study from the book of Zechariah but it was chapters 12 13 and 14 now we're going to be looking at chapters 7 through 11 not this evening but in these six different sessions and by way of short reminder and short recap I would remind you that the book of Zechariah, uh, this Old Testament book, one of the minor prophets, is one of the books, one of the Old Testament books that is most often quoted or referred to by the writers of the New Testament. In fact, one count is that there are 54 different passages from the 14 chapters of the book of Zechariah that appear in 67 different places in the New Testament. 54 passages from Zechariah refer to either a direct quotation or an allusion, a reference, uh, 67 times in the New Testament. Which means that when you read the New Testament, you're going to be seeing the book of Zechariah over and over again. Which, by the way, is why it's very significant when an Israeli Jew or any Jew picks up a copy of the New Testament and reads the New Testament. And if he has any familiarity at all, which he may not, with the Old Testament book of Zechariah. But if he does, he quickly realizes this is not just a Gentile book. I mean, after all, the book of Zechariah is referred to time and time again here in the New Testament. Uh, Well, also by way of reminder and by way of, of recap, you'll remember that Zechariah, the man himself, the prophet, was a member of a priestly family. That is to say, his father, His grandfather and fathers before them were all descendants of Levi, the priestly tribe of the twelve tribes of Israel. And so Zechariah was a member of that priestly family. The family itself, that would be Zechariah's uh, parents, uh, possibly grandparents, uh, returned from exile in Babylon around the year 538 B.C., And when the family, along with other Jews, a remnant of Jews, when they returned from Babylon, which by the way is modern day Iraq today, when they returned from Babylon, they returned in fulfillment of a prophecy by the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah prophesied that this Babylonian exile or this Babylonian captivity of Jews that were taken forcibly from their homes in Israel to Babylon, that this captivity would last 70 years. One of the most amazing prophecies, and there are many amazing prophecies uh, in the Old Testament, but one of the most amazing is Jeremiah's prophecy. And you'll remember Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, actually prophesied during the time when the Babylonian army swept down on the southern kingdom of Israel and launched uh, a campaign against the Jews of the southern kingdom, against the capital city of Jerusalem, and the ultimate result was the defeat of the southern kingdom of Israel, the carrying off of exiles to Babylon, and of course the, the wholesale destruction of the city of Jerusalem And even more important, the destruction of the temple, the holy temple, the temple that had been built by Solomon, David's son, the temple in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah, the prophet, of course, prophesied from the southern kingdom while that was going on. He is referred to, of course, sometimes Jeremiah is as the weeping prophet. Uh, He wrote, of course, in addition to the book of Jeremiah, the book of Lamentations, where he laments, Lamentations, he laments what was happening to his beloved uh, Israel and the beloved city and the beloved Beit HaMikdash, that is, the house of holiness, the temple that stood in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah, uh, there's a prophecy in chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, Jeremiah the prophet says this, For thus saith the Lord, and remember, this Babylonian invasion is going on around him as he writes these words. Thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are accomplished at Babylon, the exiles being carried off, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return even unto this place. And so he is saying that in 70 years, these exiles, those who were still living, uh, who were taken to Babylon, a remnant of them, some of them, would return to Israel. Fast forward 70 years. And the book of Ezra, the very beginning of the book of Ezra, uh, records some very significant events. Now, keep in mind, when the book of Ezra opens... The Babylonians are no longer the world power, the leading power of the world. Now, that has shifted. Now, the leading military power of the world, the civilized world there, was not Babylon, but Persia. And the king of Persia is a man named Cyrus. And we read in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? So he's saying, who's Jewish here? Who is in in this kingdom? These people who were brought here against their will. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. A direct fulfillment, not just of the fact, but of the timing. You see, promise made, promise kept. Well, of course, among those who returned from exile in Babylon then, after 70 years, uh, were the family of Zechariah. And so you have Zechariah's family returning. Most likely, Zechariah was born in Babylon, and he was brought by his parents back to Israel. We don't know exactly how old he was. We do know, uh, though, that the name of the prophet Zechariah is significant. Literally in Hebrew, it means Jehovah remembers. Jehovah remembers. Remembers what? Remembers his promises. And remembers that he's promised something and everything that he's promised, he will do. Promises made, promises kept. A contemporary of Zechariah the prophet was Haggai. And you'll remember way back, at some point in time, we're schmooze, we studied the book of Haggai. And Haggai and Zechariah together arrived at a period of time when the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, had been begun. And that was around 538 B.C. And this remnant of Jews who returned from Babylon... Began work on the temple, but there was a lot of opposition, and there was an extended period of time when there was a cessation of activity, of building. And along comes Haggai, specifically. And you read the book of Haggai, and you have Haggai saying to the Jews, who have now gotten pretty comfortable back in their homeland, they came back to rebuild the temple. But there was a lot of opposition. And so they decided, we'll put that off for a little while. For now, let's build a nice rancher on this little piece of property we have. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, maybe a sunroom. And so they have this lovely house, and the house of the Lord is still lying in ruins in Jerusalem. And Haggai comes on to the scene and says, How is it that you're dwelling in paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins? And as a result of Zechariah and Haggai and others, the Jews were exhorted to complete the job of building the temple, and the temple was completed then around 516 B.C. Now, the setting of the book of, uh, or the chapter that we're looking at, Zechariah 7one 1 to 14, we'll talk about in a moment, but let me read that text first of all for you. If you would, hold the text before you. And very quickly, I'll read those 14 verses. Zechariah 7, verses 1 through 14. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Kislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sharazer and Regamelech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month, as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, Zechariah says, and this is what God told him to say. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous, with their cities around her, and the south and the lowland were inhabited? And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, "Thus says the Lord of hosts, to Israel," and reminding Israel of Zechariah's day what the prophets, the former prophets, 70 years before, had been saying to their family members. And this is what they said. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by His Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, Great anger came from the Lord of hosts, as I called, this is God speaking, as I called and they would not hear. So they called and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. The setting of this chapter is this, as verses 2 and 3 tell us, there is a delegation. The head of that delegation was two men, uh, Sharezer and Regan Melik, and that was a delegation that was sent to Jerusalem to speak to the temple priests and the prophets, like Zechariah and Haggai, to speak to the priests and the prophets. In Jerusalem, and this delegation came from Bethel, the city of Bethel. Bethel was about 87 miles north of Jerusalem. It's about a two-hour drive. I think it probably took the delegation a little longer than that because they were driving. Well, camels, but not cars. And so it was 87 miles. And the delegation arrived, and they arrived for the express purpose of asking the priests and the prophets about continuing certain days of fasting and mourning which they had begun while they were in Babylon during that 70-year period of time. So that's verse 3. Saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, should I weep and abstain from food and drink in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Why the fifth month? Well, the fifth month of the Jewish religious calendar is the month of Av, A-V, the month of Av. And tradition says that it was on the ninth day of that month, the ninth day of the month of Av, that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. And so when the exiles were in Babylon, every year when that date rolled around, the ninth day of the month of Av, they would actually fast on that day as Jews are going to fast for the day of Yom Kippur, and they would mourn during that period of time because the temple was lying in ruins back in their homeland. Now, it refers there to the fifth month. It also refers, in verse 5, to the seventh month because, again, tradition suggested that though the temple was destroyed on the fifth month, the final end of the Babylonian campaign against Israel took place uh, in that seventh month. So that was a month of fasting as well. Now, this delegation says, well, that was then. This is now. Here we are back in our homeland. The temple is about to be finished, or maybe is finished. So do we still have to fast? I mean, You know, I mean, do we have to go without food every year on the 9th of Av? Incidentally, you might be interested to know that Jews today observe the 9th of Av Av, as a special day of mourning and fasting. They call it Tisha B'Av. This year was in the month of July, Tisha B'Av. And it is because tradition has told Jewish people, that not only was the first temple destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. on that day, but actually the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. on that same day. And in fact, other significant events happened for the Jewish people to be mourned. For example, around the year 1200, uh, the British king issued an edict expelling all Jews from Great Britain in the 1200s. 200 years later, 1492, on the 9th of Av, tradition says that Ferdinand and Isabella issued a proclamation in Spain, expelling all Jews from Spain. And then tradition says that it was on the 9th of Av when war was declared against Germany that began the First World War when Germany invaded Russia, the First World War that really carried over into the Second World War that resulted in the Holocaust. So to this day, Jews are mourning on the ninth day of the fifth month. But these Jews come and say, can we stop now? Well, you'll notice God's answer that is contained in in these words. Verse four, then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. And the answer that God gave to their question, do we still have to fast, Uh, is contained in those words. God's answer through Zechariah challenges their motives for what was considered a religious activity. And that is this fast. Theoretically, the fast was a demonstration of repentance. But in reality, these Jews, while they were doing this in Babylon... They weren't thinking about God. They weren't thinking about the way they had failed God. They weren't thinking about their sins. They were thinking about wanting to go back home again. They were thinking about their deliverance. And so unfortunately, the motive for this religious activity, rather than repentance, was deliverance. And it's contained in those words. Verse 5, Say to all the people of the land and priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these seven years, 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And it's a rhetorical question. And the answer is no, it wasn't for me. It was for you. Just like when you eat and when you drink, do you eat and drink for me? In the New Testament, we read, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Here the prophet says, when you eat and when you drink, You're not doing it for the glory of God. You're eating for yourselves and you're drinking for yourselves. And so not only is God's answer challenging their motives for religious activity, but his answer reminds them of the consequences of disobedience. Because through Zechariah, he speaks to these Jews in Zechariah's day. And he says, remember your ancestors 70 years ago and before that time. And remember all the prophets that God sent to your ancestors? And remember what the prophets said to your ancestors? The prophets said things like this Render true judgments, verse 9. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Don't oppress the widow. Don't oppress the fatherless. Don't oppress the sojourner, the stranger in your midst. Don't oppress the poor. Let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Remember what God told you through the prophets? But they were disobedient. In fact, notice that very picturesque description, verse 11. They refused to pay attention. They turned a stubborn shoulder. They stopped their ears that they might not hear. Don't talk to us about sin. Tell us how good we are. Tell us how we can be happy. Tell us how we can be fulfilled. Tell us how we can be successful. But they stopped their ears and didn't want to hear what the prophets had to say. Verse 12, they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. And what was the consequence of their disobedience? Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. And the result of that, that anger of the Lord because of their disobedience, verse 14, I scattered them. That's the Babylonian captivity, which, by the way, that dispersion has continued to this present day. Sure, some came back and various dispersions throughout history of Jewish people to other parts of the world. Yes, Jewish people are coming back to Israel, but this dispersion continued for a long time. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. The land they left before the Babylonian invasion Was a beautiful land. It was a land that was abundant and fruitful. And after they left. The land was desolate. So that no one went to and fro. And the pleasant land was made desolate. I skipped one verse. Verse 13. It is these sobering words. And I can think of no more sobering words. Anywhere in the Bible. Than these. Because of their disobedience, and because of turning a deaf ear to God's word. This is what God says. As I called, and they would not hear. So they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. Tragically, I believe there are going to be people who are going to spend eternity separated from God. And those words apply to them. I called you. I called you. Various ways. I gave you the opportunity and you wouldn't hear. Now you call me and I will not hear. We're going to be seeing in these ensuing weeks how God keeps his promises. Promises made, promises kept. The promises he made to Israel. He will keep. Many of them have not yet been fulfilled. But that doesn't mean they won't be. They will be because God always keeps his promises. But for us, we may not be Jewish, but God has made promises to us. And I guarantee you, he will keep those promises. He says in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He'll keep that promise. Nothing can separate you from the love of God when you come to know Him through faith in Christ. That same chapter, Romans 8, verse 1, says, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. When you've given your heart to Christ and you believe that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, from that time onward, your sins are forgiven. The tragedy of Yom Kippur and the millions of Jewish people who are going to be in the synagogue for Yom Kippur is after fasting and hearing the cold Nidre and leaving the synagogue, they'll have no assurance of forgiveness of sins. But you remember what John says in 1 John chapter 5? I've written these things to you that you might know that your sins are forgiven. He that believes in the Son of God has life, and he that does not believe in the Son of God does not have life. Hebrews 13, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise, and he won't. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, I go, but if I go, I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's a promise. Promises made, promises kept. Take that with you. Thanks for listening to Ancient Words, Modern Message. You can expect a new episode every other Monday. So please join us again. Ancient Words, Modern Message is supported by Hebrew Christian Fellowship. To learn more about our ministry or to ask a question, contact us at hcfellowship4819 at gmail.com. If you know someone who might be interested in this teaching, please share it with them. And please consider leaving a review of what you've heard on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make our program even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for Ancient Words, Modern Message, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Ancient Words, Modern Message is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. And I'm your host, Roger Womble reminding you that the Word of God is living and active. Until next time, showers of blessings on you and those you love.